Hey family, if you are an educator, a teacher, a principal, an education consultant, I have something so special that you cannot find anywhere else that is coming to your phone, your iPad, your desktop. I am bringing together my squad. I'm bringing together my team. I'm bringing together some folks who you can identify with because they were in the classroom in schools and education organizations just like you and now they are running six and seven figure education consulting businesses. I am Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas and welcome to the Seven Figure Educator Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Seven Figure Educator. I am your host, Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas, former teacher, former principal, and currently a full-time entrepreneur running a seven-figure education consulting business. I am so excited to welcome our guest today, my coach and my mentor, Dr. Darnielle Jervy Harmon, who is CEO and founder of Move to Millions, the event, the podcast. She is also an Inc. 5000 CEO, which if you know anything about that, that is no small feat, my friends. Her work has been recognized by Fox News, Forbes, Black Enterprise, The Oprah Magazine, CBS, and so many more. She is on a mission to help business owners experience spiritual and financial abundance. Let's welcome Dr. Darnielle. So I am so excited to have you here. First off, thank you. Absolutely. For making the time, because I know you are busy and you made time to be able to share with us about your journey and to share with our audience. So first off, share with us your story, because I know your story, but I want the people to know your story in terms of how you got here. Okay. Which part of the story you want me to share? So, well, one of the things we're going to get into, and I, I bet that this is going to come up in your story, is what makes you different in comparison to other folks that are leading and coaching entrepreneurs is your spirituality. Okay. And so if you could share your story through the lens of your faith mm-hmm. and spirituality and the growth of your business, um, and then we're going to get more into to your philosophy around spirituality and entrepreneurship. Okay. So I started my professional career. We'll start there. Like everybody else in corporate America, within three years, I went from entry level to vice president. About 12 years in, I realized that I was no longer meant to sit behind someone else's desk. And so I quit. Don't try this at home, y'all. Don't do this. <laughs> so I literally walked into my boss's office and did my letter of resignation without a plan. And so I did Mary Kay Cosmetics for two years, uh, full time before I really got to what I was supposed to do. Within about five months, I was driving a pink Cadillac, which is pretty cool and exciting. And I know that all sounds real cute. Um, So then I started my own company and I completely flopped. Within the first nine months, I was bankrupt and I was back at work. And I did what I had to do to avoid living in my car, but I also did what I have to do to become unemployable. So within two years of working that job full-time, I came back into my business full-time January 1st, 2011, with a vow to never work for anyone else again. And by May of 2014, I was a million-dollar CEO. And by the time I turned 40, I was a millionaire. Mm. Okay, so we're going to unpack this a little bit. So I think the important thing to note is you've been in the game, not just last year. Correct. (laughs) I'm not new to this. I am true to this. So I think there's certain kind of like points in your story where I heard pivots, I heard changes, Mm -hmm. I heard 
Like you have to be anchored in something beyond you in order to keep moving and, and pressing through. And one of the things that I know about you as someone who is my coach is that spirituality is, is deeply important to you. And so talk to us a little bit around the relationship between entrepreneurship and your faith and spirituality. Yeah, I personally believe that it's non-negotiable. I know, I forget the lady's name, Fanny Lou Hamer, I think mm-hmm. was her name, said we need to separate church and state. She's a lie. She's a lie. Our money says in God we trust. Our politicians end every speech with God bless America. And so in my own journey, I've always been a God girl. And I also always separated the two. But I felt inauthentic. Authenticity is a big deal now, right? I started to feel really inauthentic and it just wasn't working. And so I made a decision that if I was going to do this work and I was going to do it well, then all of Darnielle Antoinette had to come to the party. And that meant Jesus was coming too because I'm a God girl. And by taking that bold stand and deciding that I was going to figure out how to merge the two, not just for myself, but for others, I received a prophetic confirmation that that was what God really wanted to use me to do, that I had the influence, but more importantly, I had the results, right? You know, we transitioned, we rebranded to move to millions two years ago, but we've been moving people to millions since I've been in the game. It just wasn't our focal point. And the secret sauce really for me is that spiritual foundation. Businesses with a spiritual foundation go farther faster. And when you can understand the key concepts of surrender, obedience, alignment, and forgiveness, and you pair that with business growth strategy, the result is definitely making, moving, and leaving millions. Oh, so you said forgiveness, which that's what stuck out to me. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm projecting, but (laughs) you said forgiveness. And I've been in rooms where you've had this conversation Mm -hmm. and would love for you just to unpack, like, what does forgiveness look like as an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur? Yeah. So first and foremost, let me say this. Forgiveness is for you. It is not for them. I believe that most of the people who wronged us don't even realize that they wronged us. And we are holding and harboring what it is that they've done and they're off living their best life. And so forgiveness is to release you from the obligation to continue to be hurt by the thing that someone else did. So what does this look like in entrepreneurship? Let's make it about a client, right? Many of you have had a client who stopped paying you, started ghosting you and joined someone else's program. I certainly have. We're not going to turn this episode into that. And when you know you showed up fully, I'm making it about myself. When I know I showed up fully for a client to produce an environment for them to receive the result and they give me their, can I say ass? Oh, of course. And they give me their ass to kiss. I want to get out my Vaseline (laughs) and act out of my character. What I do instead is I recognize that my ability to experience and live my best life and have wealth has nothing to do with the individual and whether they pay me. It has everything to do with my decision to follow my creator and to operate in a manner that he would always be pleased in. And so forgiveness is releasing them from the obligation to repay their debt and recognizing that in so doing, I create an opportunity for more to come into my life, typically way more than they owed me and in, in a way that serves and supports who I am in this season and allows me to continue moving forward. I'm going to make it spiritual for those of you who need that. And so I'm going to tell this quick biblical story. In Mark 
chapter 11, starting at verse 20, Jesus and the disciples are walking to Bethany. Jesus is hungry, so he wants a fig newton. He sees the fig tree. Oh, this is the Darnell version of the Bible, by the way. <laughs> he sees the fig tree. He goes over. It's not producing fruit. He gets mad and he curses the tree. They continue walking to Bethany. The following day, they're returning from Bethany, going back to the city, and the disciples are blown away that the fig tree is actually dead. Jesus sees that as a teachable moment. And so he stops what he's doing. He turns to them and he says, you can say to any mountain move and it will if you do four things. If you believe, if you don't doubt it, you speak over it and you forgive. Wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that my ability to have everything I want in my life experience hinges on my ability to forgive. And for entrepreneurs, it starts with yourself. Because yes, you joined that coaching program and you had the best of intentions to show up fully and to get the result. And then life happened to you or someone pissed you off and you did not do the work. It, it Forgive yourself. I believe that at any point in time, we do the best that we can did with what we had in that moment. And when we release ourselves of the obligation of being held to the mistake that we made, we open up abundance. This is what God promises us in his word. And so by taking principles like surrender, alignment, forgiveness, obedience, and indoctrinating them into marketing and messaging and profiting and packaging and positioning, we open up a wellspring for our clients so that they can actually see that it ain't the strategy that makes the difference. It is actually the surrender. And so um, that's a little taste mm. of what that looks like. So one of the things that I've heard you say, and I think it relates to this conversation that we're having, is that you can't have a booming business with a busted life. Girl, trust me, I have tried. And what I love about that so much, because I think even though it shouldn't be contrarian, it is, is because oftentimes when we talk about entrepreneurship, we separate the person and the business, yeah. right? And we don't see them as actually I am my business. Like we are one. And what does it look like to be the business that I'm, I'm seeking and I'm desiring? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I want to talk a little bit around move because okay. I think that is, is a, a good tie in point between who we are as people mm -hmm. spiritually and what, how that reflects to our business. And mm -hmm. so talk to us a little bit around this acronym that I know really well, but mm -hmm. the people we're going to mm -hmm. share with the people mm -hmm. move and what that stands for. Absolutely. So a little bit of a backstory. So I've been praying for my movement for probably at least three years and it just wasn't coming. And I'm like, God, what's my movement? I'm going places. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going places. And people are like, what's your movement? And I'm like, I don't have a movement. And eventually, um, October 22nd, 2020, God gives me my movement, Move to Millions. As soon as he said it, first I felt um, goosebumps all over my body. And that's always an indication that God is near hmm. for me. And then secondly, I felt like Moses. I'm like, God, I can't teach the people how to move to millions. You know, at that particular point in time in my business, I wasn't at millions. I had done millions in 2014, 15 and by 2016, I was doing like $600,000 and I didn't even want a million dollar business, but God is giving me this mission. And so I'm starting to climb my way back to the million dollar mark. And so he spoke, moved to millions first. Two weeks later, he gave me the acronym. So the acronym stands for mastery. And when I talk about mastery, it's everything is, is, um, it's both practical and spiritual, everything. So mastery of the core tenants to grow your business, we call them the million dollar assets. 
right? But also mastery of obedience and alignment and surrender and forgiveness, right? Because you have to do both, right? Operational obedience, of course, that sounds like it's probably pretty easy to understand, but it's operational obedience because we are entrepreneurs, we are business owners, right? Now, Dr. Erica, you said we are our business. We are our business to six figures. Mm. To get Mm. to seven figures, our framework, our methodology Mm. becomes the business. Mm. And so we have to understand the distinction. And for many of us, that's hard because it's our baby, Right. That's what we tell ourselves. And that's the way we carry our business. But we have to start to separate the two in order to really scale up to and to be able to sustain it. Because if we're still trying to operate a business at the seven figure mark, like it's our business, it's about us. It's not going to be sustainable Mm -hmm. because we need to stop spending 80 percent of our time in the business and spend 80 percent of our time on the business. And it's hard to do that if we are the lead service provider. Mm -hmm. So that operational obedience is really about recognizing those soft skills, I call it the softer side of entrepreneurship, although it's the harder side, and being willing to do what you must do to really embody and become the CEO. The journey to the million dollar mark is about who you be, who you become, and more of that than what you do. And so when you're going to six figures, you're doing to go to seven, you need to be being. Mm. V stands for vision. And for me, that's about Operating the business from your vision point where you desire to be and not your vantage point where you sit right now because your vantage point is always skewed. And then the E stands for good old execution, right? James said faith without works is dead. I say when when God says move, move just like that. It's movement on purpose because it is a process. It is a continuum. It is an action that takes us from where we were to where it is that we truly desire to be. So mastery operational obedience, vision, and execution. So one of the things that I love about this so much and to this point of how you have to, in order the road to seven figures is around building your team. Mm -hmm. It's around building. And when I say team specifically, what I'm hearing you saying is like client delivery. Like you cannot Mm -hmm. be the only one who is servicing your clients, which means you have to believe that someone else can serve your clients just as well as you you do. Right. Which means a little bit of surrender, right? A lot of surrender, (laughs) honey, a lot of surrender. So what's interesting, what, what came to mind for me when I'm hearing you talk about operational obedience is the moment I was going to hire coaches Mm -hmm. And I was having this conversation with you around, I want to hire one coach five to 10 hours a week. Correct. And <laughs> I can hear the judgment that I heard there in that moment. There is no judgment. It was it's judgment just out of love. It was recollection. That's all. And I remember your response was, Erica, God will not send the rain until you're prepared. Girl, say that again for the people. He will not send the rain until you're prepared. And the moment you said that, I was like, oh my goodness. Like the level of, of this is a faith moment mm-hmm. where I have to lean into faith to hire and hire as we know is scary. But now it's like, oh, so like, what does this mean? It means, and your response was actually, Erica, you need to hire two coaches, mm-hmm. right? And so- I just share that as an example of the O and move of this operational obedience of what does it look like to build a seven figure business? It means hiring your team, but it also means, and I've heard you say hiring in advance of the need. Right. Before you're ready. Cause if you wait until you need them, it's too late. And let me tell you my own story. So 2014, which was the year 
that we crossed the million dollar mark for the first time at our live event. We did $1.3 million. We bought on 137 clients mm. all at once. Mm. And guess who was the coach in my program? Your girl. <laughs> There's no way in the world I could coach 137 people. And at that particular point in time, our program had a monthly private call. We were scrambling. And so when you wait until you have the need, you are always going to misjudge the need and you're, you're going to be hiring out of desperation instead of hiring in preparation. And so I hired not the best people, but the people who had a pulse, <laughs> who could physically do the job, who had the skill set to do it, but they didn't know my process and my framework. They weren't really bought into the mission and the vision. So they weren't caring for my clients the way that I would have, but there was no way that I could. And it cost me. So the following year, so again, 137 clients we onboarded, ask me how many renewed. How many renewed? Three. Hmm. Did y'all hear me? Three people out of 137 said, I want to keep working with you. That's a fail because I did not take the time to have those people in place. I didn't even believe myself that it was possible. I held the belief that I would continue to have enough and that, that not that I would get the surplus, not that I would get the exceeding and abundant above all I could ever ask or think or imagine according to Ephesians 3 and 20. And so you will always get what you expect. Mm. And I created an environment in my business where continuing to sustain that major milestone that we had achieved was not possible because I didn't do my due diligence in advance. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm a really big advocate for hiring before you're ready. Now, of course, as with anything, make sure you're talking to your financial management team. Make sure that you're clear on what the plan is going to be to create the income. Also understanding that once you bring these people on, they're taking things off your plate. So you're free to do those $2,000 or $20,000 tasks because they're doing the $20 or the $200 task. Have a clear plan in place, but know that if you decide, I, this is what I believe, Dr. Erica, if you decide the universe and the creator of the abundant universe will bring you what you decided. That is that faith strategy mm. that you talk about, mm. right? Like, it's going to happen. Just believe it. I am too dumb to doubt. I believe that everything God told me is possible for me, and I operate in accordance to that. And even when it's scary, because yes, sometimes it is scary, I don't believe there's any such thing as being fearless. I think you get to the point where you just bring fear with you, and you do it anyway, Um but for me, because I know that it's not about me, it really is about him and the lives that I get to impact. I'm willing to show up even when I'd rather, I'd rather not. Mm. It reminds me of this morning I was listening to a sermon as I was getting ready. And one of the things the pastor said was faith is acting as if what God said is true. Mm -hmm. And I hear that in, in what you're saying of how many of us are operating out of fear versus operating out of faith. And I think one of the things that you said that plays into this, a vision point versus vantage point. So can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit more about that? Because I'm sure that people caught that and were like, hold on, wait a minute, break that down. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more of what you mean by that when you say vision point versus vantage point. Right. So I'll go biblical for you for a second. In Habakkuk 2 and 2, the scripture says, write the vision and make it plain. 
write it on tablets so that they that read it may run with it. See that movement? Because it's not enough to have the vision. You have to actually make sure that the vision is actionable. So most of us know, especially because of um, things like The Secret or even Oprah talking about vision boards and gratitude journals, we have the concept and the construct to think in advance about what it is that we want to bring into our life experience. We have that. And so we're doing the work anyway. We're praying. And when we pray, we're asking for what it is we desire to bring into our life experience. Not only does the word desire mean of the father. So that means that the fact that you're even playing, praying that vision is because God placed it there. It is also an opportunity to realize that there is something greater. Or as um, one of our mastermind um, clients says, Natasha, she says, better is always available, right? So it's, it's, all, it's already there and it's waiting for you. So operating from that place is important because it keeps you out of getting caught up in what's happening right now. I like the way Marvin Sapp says it in his song, Praise Him in Advance. He said, he's looking for some believers who refuse to allow what they see to hinder what they believe. And so vision is about the belief that what is your current environment is not your final destination and that there is an opportunity for things to shift. And so when you know what your vision point is, because you've cast the vision, you've written it down. Like for me, First, you see it. So you close your eyes and you see it. You have to see it in order to see it, in order to experience it. And then you write it down so you can fulfill the scripture and then you speak it. Once you speak it, you're now coming into covenant with the universe. The whole, everything that was ever created was created through with the start of three words, let there be. So by speaking it, you actually bring it into your life experience. God in the universe gets into action. Most of the action, you won't even see it. It's happening unbeknownst to you. And then it shows up in your life experience. But it first started with you operating from that vision point and not where you are right now. Where you are right now is always skewed. If I'm sitting right here, I can't see out the door. If I'm standing up, I probably can. So just that shift in perspective creates an opportunity for us to bring a possibility that we don't yet see and maybe we haven't ever experienced or have an example of into our life because we're in alignment with God so that he can even place that vision in us in the first place. The reason why I think that's so powerful is because the name of this podcast is Seven (laughs) Figure Educator. And so our audience are educators Mm -hmm. and the vantage point of educators, if we talk about skewed. Yes. (laughs) is highly skewed when we're operating in schools and districts, nonprofit organizations, places where scarcity is thriving, then our vantage point is is thriving from scarcity. And so this shift of what does it mean to actually shift to a, a vision point versus a vantage point, I think is incredibly powerful. And I'm making the assumption that there's probably someone listening who is wrestling with how do I build a relationship with money and not feel guilty? Mm. Or from a faith perspective, they might say, oh, well, money is the root of all evil. And so I'd be curious Mm. to hear your thoughts Mm. to anybody who might be thinking that of how might might they reconcile their desire to want more Mm. with well, that means, do I love money? Is that okay to love money? Or I don't want to feel guilty for wanting that. What would your response to that be? 
Girl, I want to hug you right now. I want to <laughs> jump. I want to jump on her right now, y'all. Okay. So first, let's look at First Timothy six and ten, which is the scripture that we're talking about. And so the scripture says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil. For they that coveteth after have erred from the faith, and that is what has called the sorrow." Calls sorrow. I'm going to go into verse 11 because it's going to bring us back to verse 10 and make this make sense for you. Verse 11 says, but you, man of God, flee from these things, talking about the covetous behavior, and instead chase after purification, righteousness, and love. Yes, I said love, love in verse 10, and love is the thing to chase after in verse 11. So if you look at the scripture on the surface, you would be confused. And that is where most people stop. But what we have to remember is that the Bible was originally written in three languages and English was not one of them. So in Greek, the love of money is a word that is avarice. Avarice, if you look it up in the dictionary, is extreme greed. So most people, our capacity to love anything is not extreme. So the scripture is not even talking to us. So let me give you a little bit of context of what's happening. So Timothy is a going to be a new pastor of um, a church and Paul is guiding him. He's mentoring him in this process. And Timothy is worried and concerned about what to do with the rich people. And so Timothy is laying it out for him. So in verse 17, Paul tells Timothy, you know, you will encounter some rich people. And when you do, this is what I want you to tell them. Number one, tell them to not be arrogant and to not put their faith in their money, but instead to put their faith in their God and tell them that with their money, they should do good and give to others. So what we actually get, if we're willing to read farther than the scripture that's often misquoted, is that we get a recipe of how having money which God desires for us. That's why he talks about money 2,300 times in the Bible, because it's a lesser thing. It is something that we make a big deal, but God makes a non-big deal. And until we learn how to normalize and understand what money is, he cannot make us the master over what he really wants to give us. So that points me to the parable of the talents. And you know the parable. Servants going, our master's going away, leaves three servants with three different denominations of money. One, five, one, two, or three, and one, one. The one who got five and the one who got two, they both doubled the money. The one who got one, afraid of his master, hid the money and didn't reproduce. Well, the way you see money is really about the way you see yourself. And so that third servant didn't see himself as worthy of having the one talent. And so he hid it and then he got banished by the, the master. What does that tell us? When we get money, money is to be invested and multiplied. And if we in fear hide money, that's where that saying scared money don't make money Come comes on. from. If we hide money, then we are actually going to be banished from the things we say we want of God because we don't understand this very simple construct that is the key to us being able to go to the next level and advance the kingdom. And so can you love money? Yes, because love is patient and love is kind. We're talking about avarice, which is extreme greed, even though the words are the same, they are not. And if you are not extremely greedy and arrogant about your money, then that means you are in right standing with it. And as you do good with that money, you will continue to reap the reward. So we're going to take this little clip later. <laughs> and so, and then I'm going to just hit play anytime <laughs> yes. I get somebody who's like, well, I feel guilty. <laughs> well, I don't know. Play. Play. 
Yes. That was so good. And so one of the things that came up for me as you were sharing was another piece that I've heard you talk about, which I hadn't heard it before. And I was like, when you said it, it made so much sense of the law of circulation Mm. of how you treat money is essentially how it will treat you. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment I had with you that I think solidified that Mm -hmm. is when we went out to lunch. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) we had a great lunch. We were like randomly in Atlanta. We didn't know we were both going to be in Atlanta Mm -hmm. in the same hotel. We saw each other at check-in and we're like, what you doing? I ain't doing nothing. Let's go grab lunch. So we Mm -hmm. went to go grab lunch, had a great conversation, great fellowship. And then the check came Mm -hmm. and my natural reaction is two checks. Right. And your response was what? Millionaires don't split checks. So Listen. I said, I got it this time. You get it next time. Listen, I'll wear a wig, but it slid. Okay. <laughs> it slid in the moment. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> gather me. And I think it speaks to the law of circulation yes. that and what you were just talking about. So talk to us a little bit more of what, the law of circulation is because I think some people need to hear yeah, that. So the law of circulation for, for my Bible scholars out there is based on Galatians six and nine. Do not be deceived for God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sell. Right? So the law of circulation says abundance is expanding around us at an ever increasing rate. It never stops. Right? If you take a notes, write down abundance never stops. Right? So, but there are things we can do to stop the flow of abundance in our direction. Things like not tipping when you go out to a restaurant. That tip is not about the service you got. That tip is about keeping money moving. Because I said earlier, money has to move. It's currency. Current. It needs to flow. It has to move. It's always moving. And to make and keep money moving, you have to invest and be investable. So invest. And we're talking about lunch. Pay the server. Keep money moving. Being investable, have something that other people can pay you for. So that's something that's really important. But the law itself, again, it's always expanding. Here's another way you can stop abundance. Someone gives you a compliment. Instead of just saying thank you, you downplay and dismiss. Oh, this whole thing, it's been in the back of my closet for 12 years. Ma'am, sir, didn't nobody need to know all that? The correct response is thank you. And when you say thank you, abundance continues to expand. And because of that, and those are just two quick examples. There are tons of them that can stop the flow. If you're in, for those of you who have dipped on coaching programs, yeah, you're not going to go where you want to go when you owe other people money. Now you can take as long as you want and you can never pay it back, but just know that your results are always going to be stifled. Even if you experience success, it's going to be limited to what's possible for you because you are not honoring the law of circulation and you are not allowing money to move. If you are not investable and you do not invest, your money will always be funny and it don't have to be that way. I'm sorry. That was a little tangent. No, no, no. (laughs) Well, and I think it's great because again, like when we're talking about educators, like Mm -hmm. we have been conditioned to have a tight grip around money. Mm -hmm. So when you have been conditioned to think that, a jeans pass is an incentive. The permission to wear jeans is a privilege. Mm-hmm. You have been conditioned to have a tight grip on money. When you are paid $35 an hour for after school tutoring, then you are conditioned to have a tight grip on money. When you are are conditioned and it is normalized for you to come out of pocket for paper, yeah. for pencils, because there's not enough money in the school budget, you are conditioned to have a tight grip on money. And so I think what you just shared 
is so powerful because what I experience and in interacting with my audience and educators where people want to make six, seven figures, mm -hmm. but they don't want to invest. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is that is out of alignment. It is out of alignment. And I mean, the thing is we have to invest in everything. Like money is the one thing that every single one of us has to make a decision about multiple times every single day. Every single day. We went to college to get a degree and to be an educator, you absolutely have to do that. And right? someone got masters right, and doctorates. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. And they got the masters just so they could get a couple extra dollars mm -hmm. more a year in their salary. You invested to get that. Every time you invest, you get more that comes out of it. So what I would want you to start thinking is think less about spending the money and looking at it as a purchase and think more of looking at it as an investment and investments have a return. And so you want to be able to identify how you can get a return on your investment. Let's just use a quick example. I have no idea how much it costs to go to college today. But in my day at the University of Delaware, where I went, I think my four-year degree would have been about $40,000, right? So let's say I'm an educator because I probably would have been a teacher, except for they don't make enough money. Um, <laughs> and I knew that going in. And, but let's say I did, let's say I became a teacher and I got my first job and my first job, I paid 40,000 to get my education. My first job is I'm making $35,000 a year. Let's just say, and I'm going to be a teacher for the next 20 years. Let's say that's my goal. And maybe eventually I might want to get into administration, but I'm going to make 35,000 plus whatever the cost of living increase is per year over the next 20, 25, 30 years of my career. Well, if we add that all up, I don't know what it is, but let's just pretend it's 3 million for the sake of the example. Or no, let's make it 4 million for the sake of example. Over my career, I'm gonna make $4 million on my $40,000 education. I'm getting a, what is that, a 100X return on a $40,000 investment over the life of my career. So every time we invest, we, if we're looking at it the right way, especially if we want to be seven-figure educators, we are looking at it from the return that is possible on that investment. And so if we're talking about having an opportunity to work with someone as phenomenal as Dr. Erica in one of her programs, that investment, first of all, it's going to speed up. It's going to allow you to collapse time. And instead of it taking your 30-year career to make that amount of money, you might be able to make it in one to three years. Like, can you please tell me where... there? All day, I'm taking that investment. I cannot think of a time that someone would say, if you gave me, I'm going to make a number up for the sake of this example. If you gave me $1,000 and I would give back to you $100,000 all day long and twice on Sunday, mm -hmm. I'm taking that. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to realize is, and we need to get into the word. If you read the word, you need to read books around what money is and how to see money and how to see yourself if not, because everything is in the Bible if you like to read the Bible. But if you want other books to read, you need to learn how to change your relationship with money because when you do, it is only for your betterment and your ability not only to get a return on that investment, but to create more impact and income for your family and your future generations. The Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I remember one time, <laughs> Dr. Erica, Someone posted on a, one of my Facebook po posts and I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> That's supposed to be a spiritual um, inheritance. Listen, I love the Lord with everything that I had, but I have not yet been able to take the Lord in exchange for or to treat the Lord like a transactional currency to get anything that it is that I have. So, yes, yeah, spiritual inheritance. Absolutely. And leave your recipes, too. 
But I believe legacy is financial and it only becomes financial if you learn how to shift the way you see money, you get in relationship with an amazing mentor like Dr. Erica and learn how to take the skill sets that you went to school for and translate them into the revenue that you deserve to be earning. Because can I just get on my soapbox for a second? Sure. Let me. This is why I didn't become a teacher because I think that the way we teach, we treat educators in this country is disrespectful. Mm -hmm. You guys Mm -hmm. are responsible for the doctors, the lawyers, the football players, all the people we pay all the money to are because of the teachers, but y'all get the least amount. I think that that is wrong. And I know that that doesn't resolve the need to be able to educate our youth, but I feel you. I see you. I appreciate you. Mrs. Dixon was the teacher that changed my life. I don't know where I would be were it not for Mrs. Dixon. And so the role that you play is ridiculous and amazing. And if our education system won't reward you, then you need to learn how to transfer those skill sets and to get that reward in another way. And that's why working with someone like Dr. Erica is so important. What I, first off, thank you um, for the way in which you are seeing the vision point for educators of the impact that we have, the role in which we play in this society. My personal belief is that teaching is one of the most patriotic acts in this country. (laughs) Um, And it's one of the reasons why I hate the analogy of teachers and apples. Yes. Because I'm like, doctors are not grapes and lawyers (laughs) are not bananas. Like, why are we apples? Um, And I think the way to be able to shift that is proximity Mm -hmm. of when you currently cannot see it, then you have to get proximate to someone who is where you aspire to be and or their beliefs and vision is so big that you can't help but borrow some of it. Absolutely. And transparently, that is what you have been for me of Mm -hmm. when I started, uh, when I first got connected to you, was that 2021, I think? Well, you it said was, you had heard me on Clubhouse. Was I did hear you on Clubhouse. <laughs> so that, that was 2020. Yeah, because that, was, that 2020. was pandemic. Clubhouse was Clubhouse. It was Clubhouse. And I remember I was probably like in my bed, lights <laughs> off with my phone, like just going. And I remember hearing you. I didn't know who you were at that point, mm-hmm. but what had stopped me in my tracks in my bed was hearing that six figures is small business poverty. Yeah. Low six figures. And so I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I, I just felt something turn in my spirit. And let me go follow her on Instagram. <laughs> and that, so that was like opening of the door. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted seven figures to be possible yeah. for me and my business. And when I look back on it, I'm not sure my beliefs were like a hundred percent there, but mm-hmm. I knew if I got proximate yeah. to someone who was doing it, someone whose beliefs were bigger than mine to mm-hmm. where I could borrow some of it, mm-hmm. then the path would illuminate. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great kind of segue to your book. Yeah, absolutely. Because your book is titled Move to Millions. Yes. And your girl made the move to millions yes. because of you. Yes. And so tell us. Tell us, why did you write the book? Yeah, so after God gave me Move to Millions in 2020 and we started, you know, our rebrand and all of that, I knew I needed to write a book because everybody is not going to be able to come and work with me in my programs, right? We we are an investment. <laughs> we are exclusive. And, but this information needed to get out, right? And so the best way to do that is through a book. And specifically in writing the book, I knew I couldn't self-publish it 
because a self-published book is only going so far. I needed this book to have wings to be able to really shake the planet, but I wanted to break down what I've come to believe, right? We're working on um, this new construct of sweatless millions, mm. right? Because the Bible talks about sweatless victories. And so we're talking about sweatless millions. What does that mean? That means millions without hustle and grind. And so I wanted to show how my second move to millions, because we did millions first again in 14 through 15, and then we went away, and then 19, and then 20, we finally came back over the million dollar mark. And we've doubled every year since. And this time, your girl ain't working hard. She's not hustling. She's not grinding. She's very clear on who she is and what she brings to the table. And from that place, she's building a multi-million dollar company and building a team that supports, that believes in the vision and supports what it is that we do every single day. And it, if I was able to do it, I believe success leaves clues. And we live in a country where we have been taught to work hard. I don't know if it's because slavery like initiated here or not. But as a result of that, we are by nature, by society, hustlers and grinders. When you go to other countries, like they're way more laid back when it comes to work. Like mm -hmm. work is what they do in order to make money. It's not who they are. In the United States, we are the work that we do. And our work and our ability to work hard is the, the accolade that we want. And that needs to stop. And so I wanted to demonstrate because there are a lot of voices that you might listen to on Instagram or TikTok or wherever that are trying to lead you to believe that the only way to get to and to scale and sustain to the million dollar mark is if you hustle. Now, will there be work? Absolutely. Will it be hard work? Maybe sometimes, but it doesn't have to be grueling grinding and you don't have to lose anything in the process because there are those of us, I used to be one of them who believe you cannot have it all and you have to cho choose. Today, I know that you can have it all. You don't have to choose. You can love God. You can make millions of dollars. You can have a business that serves you both financially and spiritually. And the book is the game. It is the complete blueprint. I have left nothing out. I give you everything that you need to know and a whole host of worksheets and templates and resources to enact that thing. So that if you have a moniker of discipline that you could do this work on your own, you could make the move to millions just by what I put in my book. If you don't like to work in silos and you want to be proximate and you want to be in community for those laws and low moments of entrepreneurship, because they do exist, then we also give you plenty of places you can join us in community to be supported as you are on your own journey to make the move to millions. Let me tell you one of the things that I love about the book, and I think it's it's subtle, mm -hmm. the cover. <laughs> because what does it take for a Black woman to put herself mm -hmm. on the front of a book that's titled Move to Millions? Yeah. Like for me, it was no question. The publisher that I work with, they wanted it to just be the words. And I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. My face is going to be on that book. And even when we did our photo shoot, like it's probably the most sexy and sultry and confident photo shoot I've ever had because the whole vibe the whole time was I got money and I'm completely confident about it, especially as a black woman. Listen, y'all, I was born in the projects of Wilmington, Delaware to two drug addicted turned crack addicted parents. Right. We didn't have what's the saying? We didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. And there was never enough money. I watched my mom bust her ass, robbing Peter to pay Paul just to have enough for us to eat oatmeal or the no frills version of the food at the at the grocery store. 
I watched her every single day. And even as I watched, I was smart enough to know that that was not going to be my life. And to be today a multimillionaire worth eight figures, charting the path for others to join me on this journey, it was absolutely essential that people see that it was me. Just in case the name Darnielle doesn't give you a clue that I'm a woman of color, you need to see my face on, on the book because I'm, I'm making a statement and I want people to know that it's possible for them. We didn't think that we could ever have a black president of this country until Barack was willing to go before us and to actually achieve it and to do it with such grace and dignity so that people would know that we not as crazy as they want to portray us to be inside of the media. I love this so much. And where can people get the book? MoveToMillionsBook.com. MoveToMillionsBook.com. Yep. So I would love for you to share one last word with our folks around What's the first step to seven figures? So obviously the podcast, it's called Seven Figure Educator. <laughs> right. We have some people who are already at seven figures, who aspire to seven figures, mm -hmm. and some folks that are just like, let me first get to six or maybe mm -hmm. even five before mm -hmm. I start talking seven. What would be the first step or just one powerful word that you would share with them? Yeah, I would say... Believe it and be and be it. Be it now. Be it already. So it might take time for the money to land in the bank account, but I believe that millions are a mindset before they're a material possession, like they're a material construct. And so be it already. Be it to become it. The model of abundance says, who must I be in order to do what I desire to do and have what I desire to have? Who must I be? Be it. What does a million dollar educator, seven-figure educator. What does that look like to you? How do they dress? How do they carry themselves? What circles do they run in? Who do they spend time with? How do they travel? Like, I mean, I'm at the point now where I only can fly first class and only can take Uber Black. I have tried y'all to do Uber X or Uber Economy, but I just can't because I must be who I want to continue to evolve into. So be it first and be it unapologetically, be it without telling anyone else and needing someone else to validate or tell you that it's okay and give you permission. And by all means, don't justify, just be, be it. And then those people around you, they will either rise up or fall back. And if they fall back, it's because they're not supposed to go on the next leg of the journey because your destiny is not tied to those who choose, who choose to or need to walk away. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for, A, being here and sharing your wisdom. Thank you for seeing the millionaire in me mm -hmm. before I saw it in myself. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, thank you for praying for me. Absolutely. Because there are moments where I am like, this woman knows God because the, I'm sitting here like crawled up in a ball <laughs> and I get a text like, what you doing? How are you? And I'm like... She knows that I need community, someone to check in on me yeah. as the strong friend. And I am just so incredibly grateful Absolutely. for you and the role in which you play in my life and you've played in my business. So thank you. It is my honor and my joy to serve you. And let the people know where can they find you. Absolutely. So I am at Darnielle Jervy Harmon on Instagram, or you can go to drdarnielle.com and that'll link you to everything, including how to get your copy of the book. 
So one more look at the cover. So that way <laughs> you don't forget when they're like, what's, what's the cover? Is it the one with the pink cover? The, mo- the purple big move to millions. That's the one that you need to grab. Um, and so I thank you all for joining me on this episode of Seven Figure Educator. And we will see you on the next one. 